everyone that I've had in, I've always felt like, listen, I'd love it if you're here for two years. And if you're here past that, it's because you see growth in the company. Mm. But it's okay that some people are gonna be there to grow with you because then maybe they never wanna start their own thing. Welcome to the Managing Made Simple podcast, where I bring a decade of experience working in some of the most influential companies in tech to help you navigate the ins and outs of being a people manager. From conflicts to feedback to delegating and more, we will leave no stone unturned when it comes to what makes us love managing, kind of hate it, and everything in between. Doesn't matter if you're a new manager looking for some tips or a seasoned manager looking to up their game, everyone is welcome to hang out with Managing Made Simple. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am so excited to have my guest with me, Rebecca Cafiero, who is not only a mentor to me and business coach, but also a friend who has been a guiding light in my journey as an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show. Let me give you a little background about Rebecca and then we'll dive in. Rebecca is a former VP in the corporate world, now a founder and CEO of The Pitch Club. Rebecca is a business growth and visibility expert and a lifestyle strategist who specializes in helping female entrepreneurs intentionally grow their businesses without sacrificing their quality of life. If you are an entrepreneur or a manager in the corporate world looking to become an entrepreneur, you're going to want to tune into this and you really want to be following what Rebecca's doing. Welcome to the show and so excited to dive in. Rebecca, you know, you've worked in the corporate world. Now you're an entrepreneur, you're a founder. I'm curious, what are some of the learnings from being a manager, being a people leader in the corporate world that you've brought to the entrepreneurial space? Mm. I mean, I like to say it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And I do want to just start this off because I know we're going to probably dive into the dysfunction, the reason I love corporate, but there's so many beautiful gifts and so many things that I learned through my career. And, you know, I think it's easy to sometimes highlight like the frustrating wall kicking moments, like the moments that made me want to become an entrepreneur but there was also so many that really have developed a lot of the skills and the outlook and this I'd like to say sophistication but the strategies that I now have because of that corporate experience so I think one of the things that I really learned is the mix of hiring on both potential and experience and and I would actually say often potential trumps experience depending on the role but I was hired almost right out of college like a year out of college I was hired by a fortune 150 Pulte Del Webb Homes and they had this whole program as they were they were really rapidly growing this was back in 2002 2003 and in the real estate market as it was it was just blowing up um, of hiring new college grads. And I remember asking like, well, why would you do this? There's so many people out there that have real estate license. And I remember a manager being really frank with me and, and saying something they probably shouldn't have, but it's because you don't have the bad habits yet. Wow. And so they would get us when we were like fresh out of college and put us through this unbelievable, really immersive 90 day training experience. And that wasn't just sales. That was anyone coming in. So they were hiring in you know, construction and service and operations, these new college grads and really teaching them the right way and really investing that time up front. I mean, we get 90 days of training and of overhead before that person ever can make you a cent or actually like contribute to the team. And so I really looked at that potential and even what I do now, like hiring and, and being willing to mentor younger people based on that potential. Now, I also will say though, the caveat is not completely falling in love with only potential because experience does translate. And that's something I've really learned in my own journey from corporate into entrepreneurship and then also in just you know managing and developing my own team is the experience doesn't necessarily have to be what you're hiring for, but does someone have experience or those skills that can transfer into another area that makes sense? Mm. So I'd say that's that's the biggest one. And then I've got I've got a couple yeah. more. Yeah. Well, I love that specifically because I think right now the skill of adaptability is important more than ever. And I think teams are noticing that 
hey, things are changing. The same priorities or the same goals might have to shift. But if we're adaptable and we hire people who are able to be adaptable and really lean into some of that uncertainty and, and can bring those skills across one situation to the next, then they're going to be able to thrive. And so it sounds like that's something, the adaptability and the transferable skills is something maybe to look for as opposed to the specific, you know, you've solved this specific problem before. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's the personality, it's the desire, right? And I often looked at people who had a beautiful resume. I mean, this was back when I was hiring sales. I remember there was at one point where we were hiring two salespeople and we probably had looked at 70 resumes and did 15 interviews. And you can have someone that looks really good on paper, but just isn't necessarily the right fit, you know, just because yeah. they've done great in the past doesn't mean that they're going to do great in the future. I think the other, the other thing, and, and going back to, you know, hiring new college grads is don't underestimate the power of a clean start. Mm. Right, the power of being able to show someone. And, and when I started in sales, I didn't know what I didn't know. I was definitely unconscious. Well, I, I may be unconscious incompetence, but because mindset is so important, I remember back in these days, and again, it's a real estate analogy, but we were selling at the time solid surface oak cabinets, which now I'm like, God, oak is the worst, right? And bronzo countertops, which was like a sub Corian. It wasn't even a, a marble, a granite, a Caesar stone. And I thought that that was like the bee's knees. So people would come in and I would be so excited. I'd be like, and we have solid surface oak cabinets with soft closes. And you know, looking back, that was like what you'd put in an investor home. Like if you wanted to spend nothing, but I was so lit up about it, that that energy and that belief really transferred. And I didn't know that what I didn't know. And I sold a lot of homes because I thought I could, or I thought I would and excitement. And that was really where I learned that you know, mindset, belief, you know, motivation can often trump all the experience in the world. Yeah. I love that example because I think right now, you know, as new grads are entering the workforce, Gen Z's entering, I think there's a lot of anxiety around, you know, hiring folks that maybe don't have a ton of work experience. But if we want to build inclusive and diverse and equitable teams, we have to be doing that, a lot more of that. So I really like that you call that out, both for entrepreneurs, small business owners, and for folks in the corporate world. That mindset, that enthusiasm about the work, that beginner's mind, like you talked about, those are real assets that you can bring to your team. I would say the secret weapon, and this is something I did in hiring in sales and actually recruited several people. I was in Vegas at the time, so you know the hospitality industry is huge. Is people that have had any experience in ideally waitressing or bartending, even hosting, it's yeah. people that understand how to deal with a lot of different things going on, but can also like acknowledge and validate what's happening in a situation and prioritize what is urgent. That is probably the other thing because I've I've seen a lot of people that are maybe academically very like have great prowess or are very smart. And, and my husband and I have this discussion and you know, you met him last night, but we have this discussion all the time is, you know, he's recruiting and he's like, wow, he went to Stanford. He's recruiting and he's interviewing people that are coming out of Stanford and going, they may be brilliant, but like their basic skills are really lacking. And so I would look at, you know, did someone pay their own way through college or did they work? Like what is their life experience? Not just their academic experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and again, I mean, I think like your husband works in tech space. It's so important to be valuing all these different kinds of experiences because that's how you get innovation and that's how you get breakthrough ideas, not just hiring everyone that 
thinks the same way or had the same experiences, then you're just going to get more of the same. So I love that. And there's a few more is like people development. That is absolutely what I saw done so beautifully at that first job that I didn't see done at a lot of other jobs after that is really investing upfront in the people development. I can't always say I've done it perfectly as an entrepreneur, but understanding it's not always about money, right? I think that we often think like, yes, we should pay people well and we should have them feel valued. But again, I always say I'm a salesperson at heart, but we had so many different ways that we were incentivized. And so, yes, it was, sometimes it was like contest to win an experience. Sometimes it was financial bonuses. Sometimes it was trips. Sometimes it was like your manager comes in and works in your office for a day and you get the day off. And so I think I've really worked on making sure that with my own team, that it's not just about paying them well, which we do, and we do incentivize them. But sometimes it's like, hey, if we get this goal, it's not just about you get you know this bonus. It's like you get this. And so I've built in once a month on Fridays, there's a, a mental health day. And I'm like, it's not just to like go chill out. It's like, go do something that lights you up. And ideally yeah. send a picture to everyone. And like, we really observe that. And the whole team is off. So no one's like getting emails from other people. And so just really understanding like, how are you developing your people? Not just through the the formal, like independent performance appraisals or IDPs or IPAs or whatever the acronyms are. Right. But like, how are you developing people? And, and again, this is definitely something I would have never done in corporate, but my team, I gifted them the Enneagram for Christmas. And this year, some of my team mates that are into it, they get monthly sessions with my spiritual advisor slash astrologist. And they love it if, if they're into it. Yeah. Well, what's so awesome with that is you're tuning into something I talk about a lot, which is understanding your team members appreciation language. Like if you recognize them the way that works for you and it doesn't land for them, it's going to fall short. And so, you know, yes, people should be paid well, but like you say, that's not the only thing. And a lot of times, you know, if we don't, like you talked about experiences, you talked about gifts, you talked about time, all of those things mean different things to people. And so the collection of those things make people feel appreciated and celebrated in a holistic and well-rounded way. And they make them feel seen. Yeah. It's, it's a bit like being a parent, right? Is that we'd like to think that we're going to treat our kids equal. And and now that I am a parent and I have two children, I'm like, wow, my kids are completely different. And <laughs> our team is completely different, right? So people are going to be motivated in different ways. And there's some people that, you know, it's like, the love languages. Some people are very much, they want to be told nice things, want validated. Some people want cards. Some people are like, give me the money or give me the time off. But I, I, one thing I learned early on is I was really fortunate that that first job, I had a lot of people that became really good friends. We were all living in Vegas, all out of college. Nobody had families. So like we became each other's family. And, and now 19 years later, like these are still my best friends. This group of five women is you'll work so much harder for someone that you really like and you feel like there's a friendship. Yeah. And it's not just about like working hard or, you know, being friendly so that people will do like go above and beyond for you. But it's this idea of like really caring at a deeper level. And I can remember like literally some of the crazy stories of like, going to a casino up to the penthouse where you don't even know that people actually live up there if they're a high roller and having contracts signed like on a, you know, December 31st at five o'clock to help a goal because my boss was also my friend Mm -hmm. and I wanted to do it not just for me, but for them. And I think that especially in entrepreneurship, there's really an opportunity to like grow those relationships. And yes, it's employee first, it's get the job done, you know, the results prove themselves, but it's also like you do have that flexibility to build a personal relationship, especially with a small team. Yeah. I love that. So diving a little bit deeper into that, you know, it sounds like you're tuning into helping people find meaning and somewhat of a sense of purpose in their work. And 
What are some of the things that you've done to say early on, maybe as you've thought about your team and grown your team to help translate the vision? I think sometimes as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you've got the vision, you're solid in it, you're excited about it, but it can be tough if our teams aren't fully bought in. So what are some of the things that you do to get them bought in? I mean, I can tell you what I've done wrong. (laughs) Yeah, let's start there. (laughs) So I think that it's really easy when it's like a small team. And as my team's grown, you know, now we have about seven-ish people, you know, working either full-time or part-time is I recently, I hired a profitability analyst or consultant who looked through everything. She actually interviewed my team. And what I realized is while I am very full transparency about what we're doing, I hadn't actually shared with them the five-year vision. Mm. And so I went and I sat down and it was, it was actually after the retreat you were just at. And I sat down with the whole team and I'm like, here's my five-year vision. Here's where I see the business, though there's so much opportunity. Here's where I see like my role in it. And here's the opportunity for each of you. And then I asked them to share their visions. And I was like, let's make sure we're still in alignment, right? Because we want to make sure that like we talk about alignment all day long, but like, what does that really mean is where we're going, does it fit with where you're going? Because if it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for someone to continue on, right? Or maybe it's like, maybe it makes sense for the next year or two. And I always want people to feel that permission that while I'd love them to be there forever, Sometimes it might just be getting to the next milestone or the next step, and then they're going to get what they wanted out of the experience and we'll have gotten what we needed and, and then it's time to evolve. Right. But I just, I just learned that I hadn't done that well enough. And now it's something that we have scheduled in because what you, you know, what you schedule, what you track actually happens. And so now it's all right, here's our five-year goal, our three-year goal, our one-year goal. And then we back in like our quarterly, but not just the goal of like how many clients served or income, but like, what is this vision? What is this mission? Why are we even doing this? Because let's yeah. face it, like you and I live in, you know, I live in Silicon Valley and I could go get, well, maybe not right now because it's kind of crazy, but I could go get <laughs> a tech job that probably is paying me more than my entrepreneurship job. But, but at the end of the day, like my mission isn't just making money. That's, that's part of it. But my mission is, is impact. And I just found a lot more flexibility for impact in, in my own thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many great nuggets in there. But what what I really want to call out is not being afraid to talk about it if this job isn't the right fit. And this is something I know was like very (laughs) taboo to talk about in the corporate world that you're supposed to say, my five-year plan is to live here forever and to be in this company and, you know, work on the same project. And we all know that's kind of BS. Like we know that that's not necessarily the case and yet we don't have conversations about it. And then I think when things like layoffs come up or reorganizational changes in in a big company, or, you know, maybe you're just not feeling your heart in it in in a smaller company, it becomes really tense and people feel really stuck. They're feeling like they're not loyal or they don't know how to have the conversation. So flipping in this on its head, when you do what you do and say, Hey, here's the vision, you know, where do you see yourself in this and making it okay to say, yeah, I think I could do this for about a year and then I might, you know, want to move on. You often see, and I found this to be the case in the corporate world and outside, people are actually more loyal as employees because they feel seen by you. A hundred percent. That's something, because I, I dealt with like the rifts, reduction in force situations and, and, you know, and firing that was not peaceful. Definitely. And that was usually because there was someone that was not just not performing, but there was, there was typically like ethical or, or honest issues, mm-hmm. honesty issues. Yeah. And I really had the good fortune in, in what I've been doing, even over the last seven years, even before my business now, I can remember where I reached what I call like tension points, which tension points is, is one of two things. It's either you've just hired the wrong person or you haven't set them up for success in what they're doing. So I can remember my very first in-person assistant like six years ago, seven years ago, and we we had one of those tension points. And I was like, okay, I I was frustrated. She was frustrated. And I just sit down and look and I'm like, have I given her everything she needs to be successful? 
And I hadn't, right? I was assuming that she could maybe do more than she could or that she was, you know, a little bit more resourceful, more of a, like, more motivated. And so I had to, like, I always say clean up my side of the street first and make everything absolutely crystal clear. Here's what's expected. Here's the support. Here's the resources. Here's the communication if if you're you're confused on something. And what was beautiful about doing that is, one, like, it was at the point, like, I was ready to fire her, is it made everything so much more clear that, one, she started to, like, double her, her productivity. Yeah. And, and obviously, I could double the output out of her, but also then, well, she did end up leaving, but she left one on an incredibly good note. That was, like, seven months later. And now I had a system built for the person to replace, so they onboarded so much faster and then there was none of that tension and i still i can probably say for the most part everyone that i've had in i've always felt like listen i'd love it if you're here for two years and if you're here past that it's because you see growth in the company Mm. but it's okay that some people are going to be there to grow with you because then maybe they never want to start their own thing or they love you and they love the vision and they're like i'm going to go along as long as i can for the right and there's other people that are like i'm here now and I see this being the next step for the next year to two years. I mean, ideally two, because it's a lot to train someone for, you know, and have them leave yeah. it here. And then you get to a point where you're like, what got me here won't get me there. Yeah. And that's okay. And it doesn't need to be a negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is so key. I know we've talked a lot about your goal as a manager and leader is to hire great people that can be really off on their own, that they don't need a lot of oversight in in micromanagement. I think this is something that's a real differentiator between, I think, when people worry about setting expectations and setting clear guidelines, that's not micromanaging. That's actually the opposite of micromanaging because when you've mapped it out up front and you've documented it and you've, you've said, hey, here's what success looks like, here's what's expected, here's when we'll check in on things, that is making sure there's clarity. And then you can step back. And so I think I think oftentimes people can get mistaken is setting expectations is not micromanaging. Asking for, you know, having really high standards is not micromanaging. Checking in frequently is not micromanaging. But it's because you set that all up up front so everybody's on the same page and then you can go from there. And I love the idea of using that as an onboarding guide and having, you know, as people join, they're kind of co-creating that and saying, oh, here's something that was needed or I added in. And and, and then your company can really evolve as the needs change and as, as new people kind of, you know, put their touch on something. And I think it's my personality. Like I have realized I really value autonomy, freedom, independence. I value someone showing me best practices and then be able to do that and ideally improve upon it and having open communication around ideas. And so I want to have a team, whether it's employees or consultants that operate in a similar way. And yeah, it was just recently that I was like, wow, I really don't have a desire to have someone that needs a high level of handholding or oversight. Um, so setting up the systems and, you know, we use ClickUp, but the SOPs make it all really clear up front. And one that's one is not just to make it clear so that they can thrive. It's also to make sure that I'm not the block. Like they're yeah. not waiting for me on something. It's also because then it's really easy to see where things aren't getting done or someone's not performing. And instead of waiting till it's a fire drill and then you're like, why haven't you been doing X, Y, and yeah. Z? It's like, oh, you know, I, I noticed that we're, we're maybe having some challenges here. Like share with me what's going on. Is there some process improvement? Is there something that's not understood? And it's, it's much more of a coaching conversation versus like a disciplinary conversation or yeah. performance conversation. Yeah. And that's the way that you demystify feedback and having these conversations by having it way more casual, way more frequently and kind of as a check in like, hey, how are we doing? Where are you getting stuck? What do you need from me? And I think having that be way more 
routine and accessible and it's not like can I give you some feedback <laughs> where someone's like oh god <laughs> like no that you have it as part of the way that work gets done and and everybody knows what's going on well and with that clarity you create space yeah. for someone to actually create innovation so I'll, I'll give the example of Katie and you know Katie so she heads up our PR team and which is a role that she came into very organically I, I joke that I've never actually recruited I just <laughs> always have had the right people come in often ahead of need and that's something I know we're going to dive into but she came in and I was like, okay, here's some practices. Here's what I'd like to see. And then we met and I'm like, you develop the process. Maybe I approve it. Yeah. I am like, okay, this is the process. You know, once she's put in her her unique stamp, because she's ultimately the one that's going to be carrying it out, not me. Yeah. So as long yeah. as we get the result, can she come up with a better path? And the beautiful thing now is with that autonomy is she's came up with ideas and processes. Like, like now the team, which our PR team has three people in it, they do an every other week pitching blitz. I didn't even know about this. I was like, what are you guys doing? And she said, <laughs> like, well, come and watch. So I came in and just was on Zoom and kind of watched them. I was blown away to the point I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to put some performance performance bonuses on this. Like we're going to make this a fun contest with like a monetary spiff on it. And I, I love that because that would have never happened if it was like, here's the, what you do. People don't yeah. want to feel like a cog in a wheel. Yeah. They want to feel like they can bring their own uniqueness and their own stamp into it. Yeah, exactly. And then you're limited by what you've thought of. Like with, with that example, you know, Katie was able to bring, Hey, here's something that I've seen or I read about, or I'm interested in doing. And, and everybody gets to, you keep elevating the way that you work by allowing people to do that or creating the space, I would say for that. When I look back and that's what I did in my job and I, I mean, early on in my career, I remember I like set some records in house sales and I remember the older agents were going, how in the heck are you doing this? And, and sometimes it's like a negative connotation. Like they're like, you know, like, you must be cheating somehow. And that was, that was a really great and really frustrating learning experience, but it's because I didn't know what the right way was. I mean, yes, I understood like, here's the discovery process, here's this. But one of the first things I did while I was in training the 90 days is I went through and everyone's like, oh, you want to develop realtor partnerships. That's what they said. And we were broke, we were all licensed agents, but you want to develop realtors because they'll bring in clients and it's, it's an easy sale. So I went through manually the Greater Las Vegas Association of Realtors, and you could like put an A for name. And I built out in the old days, mail merge list of six. 60,000 realtors and I would send out these realtors and so they're like how's Rebecca selling 20 houses in a month well because they had told me something and I just did it a different optimized way that they hadn't thought of and, and that's what where innovation comes in and again especially the longer we've been in our career we're probably less creative mm, yeah that's so true and I, I'm, I'm curious on that note you mentioned you know hiring before the need I'm, I'm so curious for, as a founder as a business owner how do you know when it's the right time to hire someone? Well, again, this is going to sound very woo. I mean, in the old <laughs> days, it was like, we have a community opening and based upon our current, you know, salespeople, we need to fill yeah. a spot. But now it's usually like, all right, let's look at like, what are the things that are being done? Because often we might actually have current staff that could handle other roles, right? Like, like Brittany right now is my operations manager. She can actually do strategy and coaching as well. So usually it's like, well, where am I looking to go? What am I needing in the next three to six months? And what can I do? What's in my zone of genius? Because I'm a, I really would say leaned in hard to not doing things that just because I can. And then looking at what is the right, maybe right personality fit or what are the right skills? Again, not necessarily the right experience because I have this amazing woman running my PR team who is just, you know, in grad school and never technically did PR before. And she's brilliant. So hiring ahead of need, I would just say it's getting really clear on like what you want. And then I've always just asked around. I'd be like, hey, does anybody know someone who's really good at X, Y, and Z or has these personality traits? And then I typically get on a conversation with someone. It's not even an interview. It's a conversation. I'm like, here's where we're going. 
Does this fit in with what you're looking for? And I've just always found people at the right time that can help me build the thing together. Because the reality is, is we're focusing on our zone of genius in our day to day. Like when are we gonna actually have the time to like put all that aside and build out this new thing of where we're going? So we typically need to build it in collaboration. So yes, it's always been like, it, it's been typically, I've been doing something that I am tapped out on and I need to hire someone not only to take that piece over so I can dive more into what I need to do, but then also to build it out fully. Jumping in here to say, how amazing is Rebecca? She sets the example of someone who really knows how they want to manage their team. But if running your business is the first time you've managed people or had to figure out things like hiring and setting expectations, then how would you know? The good news is you don't have to figure this out alone. That's why I'm so excited to be launching my program, The Ops Playbook for Entrepreneurs, Small Businesses, and Founders, where I will sit down with you to map out the six essential components of building an effective team. From how you want to know when to hire and onboard, like Rebecca and I were talking about, to how to communicate your priorities and vision, to how to develop your people and beyond. My goal is to help you map out the how so you can focus on the what, figuring out all the nuts and bolts so that you can stay in your zone of genius. To learn more and get support for your team, reach out at hello at leahgarvin.com. Back to the show. Shifting gears a bit, you know, a lot of the work that you focus on is about helping people bring visibility to their work and to their message. I'm curious, you know, how do you see managers' roles and leaders' roles in supporting their team members and amplifying their message? One is my saying, like, own your magic. is like helping people own theirs, right? Yeah. And and really understanding, you know, again, like we talked about, like, what's their experience? What's their personality? What's their resourcefulness? I'm a big fan of, like, resourcefulness over experience. Yes, experience matters. But you can have someone very experienced that still isn't resourceful. I mean, like we said, hiring the A players. But once you've done that, once you've hired the right people, you've hired people that have the drive, have the personality, have the will, have the resourcefulness, have the talent, it's actually helping them own their uniqueness. And I think that's something that unfortunately I've seen a lot of people try to stamp out in corporate. It's just like, this is your job description. This is what you, and I, I remember I had a boss who I will not name names because I've had some beautiful, wonderful, wonderful <laughs> bosses who I'm still very good friends with. But I had a boss that I was at the time kind of in a sales manager, director of sales role. And we had our escrow manager left. Escrow was something I oversaw, but it wasn't something I actually did. Right, So I managed escrow, but not, I wasn't in the trenches. And they left and I could not get them to approve to hire the next person. It took like, seven weeks. Well, in the meantime, I was doing that role too. I was doing two different, literally two jobs. And one of them that I did not really understand. So you can imagine that that full-time job was like 60 hours a week on top of my 60 hour week job. And I was pulling on nighters every week. And my boss came in one day and, and I had just, I'd worked a 40 hour shift or 36 hours. I'd like came in at six, 7am, worked all day, all night, the next day till five or six. And then that next day I didn't come until like nine 30 because I was freaking exhausted. And he's like, where were you? I want your ass in a chair from eight to five. And I was like, I would love to work eight to five. That would be a break. Yeah. You know, so back to that is like really helping people own their magic and what is their uniqueness. That's the first step. Again, that's validating them. That's helping them feel seen. That's helping them really just have that permission. And then, you know, my saying is like helping women specifically, but people be seen, heard and valued. So being seen is, are you connecting with the opportunities that bring their strengths visibility, right? They give them ownership. Are you helping them get that visibility not only to, you know, the internal team, maybe clients, if that makes sense, that also shows up on their resume. I mean, that's one of the things that we've been doing is, is even helping our teams get visibility like PR, because I don't just want to build a brand around my business. I want to build a brand around like the fact that everyone in my team knows how to do the thing, not just teach or facilitate. The next step then is, is being heard, like helping them speak up. I am an Enneagram seven and I know you're a three and there's a lot of similarity there. And often we're really good at being loud. We're really good about like advocating for ourselves, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people that are not 
that have a ton of value. And when you have all the loudest, most driven and high achievers, it ends up not being like a mastermind of people. It's like a mega mind because everyone kind of thinks the same way. And so ensuring that those people that maybe aren't as loud have the voice, like that they're heard is incredibly important. And the last was just the value. And we talked about this, but how can you make your your team, your employees, your clients, make them feel valued? And so for me, I, I hate small talk, but I really try in the first few minutes when I'm on a, a one-on-one with, with a team member of like, what are you excited about right now? Like what's going well personally, professionally? And one thing that I, I started doing really early on in my career, and I am so glad I did this because it was, it helped me be so effective and it helped me be a leader and a manager that not only got amazing engagement and retention out of my team, but like I actually brought teams from one business to another. And I, I think at the time I had like the highest engagement of any department in our company out of multiple divisions. And it was because when I was really young, there was a point where I was managing and I think I had 47 reports and like three of them were younger than me. And most of them were 20 years older, right? Oh my so I never looked at that like, I am your boss and here's what you're doing. I always said like, I am your partner in the office, you're in the field. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them when I sat down because I had to build trust with someone that was my parents' age. I would sit down and say, how do you want me to work with you? How do you want to be managed, right? Like when you're sitting down in those first conversations or in an interview, that's when someone's their best. You need to know how to navigate ahead of time when it's not their best, when <laughs> it's stressful, when there's tension, when they're pissed, right? So I would ask them that. I would say like, hey, when things get hard, how do you pull away? What are the signs? Or would you prefer, like, how do you want me to advocate for you? How do you want me to support you? And I would ask them that up front and it would create trust. And then obviously I had to do what I said I was going to do too, right? I had to continue to earn that trust. But that of like finding out what was important to them helped me have such buy-in from my team. And that really has served me in actually building out a team that I am responsible for every piece of of their success, not just, you know, signing off on payroll, but I'm actually responsible for payroll. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I mean, I think we hit on all the areas we've talked about. It's like, it's the perfect wrapper around the importance of having people feel seen, recognizing, you know, really taking the time to build that relationship, all of it. So I love that story. And one other thing I just want to add, and this is really for entrepreneurs out there. I think in corporate, we it, it's easier to do this because we typically, typically have bigger budgets. But in entrepreneurship, what I see a lot of people do is as they're scaling, they're going from solopreneur to like hiring a VA or an OBM. Everyone's like, I'm going to start with like the cheapest possible. So the amount of people I've seen hire, you know, a, an overseas VA that they're paying $7 an hour and then they're getting them 30 hours a week and then they have no idea what to do with them. Instead of finding some high level, like experienced person that maybe is $40 an hour, but in five hours can get more done mm. or is, is higher level. Like I, I heard this somewhere. I think it was from one of my mentors is like, find the A players and then pay them 1.5. Mm, wow. like, don't expect to get your six figure or seven figure results with someone that is low level. Yeah. Okay? And, and that's what I just would say. One of the biggest things is in entrepreneurship. And I know that feels really stretchy. And I remember hiring my first employee and I was like, oh my gosh. I am responsible for like this person, like, you know, 72,000 based comp. And it was, it was terrifying. And then it was also though it pushed me. Yeah. And now I'm like, wow, we have to do a million dollars to like make payroll <laughs> and subscription. So, you know, now it's, it's not a big deal, but yeah. I know that there can be some fear around that because you want to like tiptoe into the responsibility and it's a much easier to let go of someone that's like part-time and cheap, but you're never going to get the results. And so you have to decide like, do I want to grow fast and do I want to and low? And do I want to do it 
in a way that really is honestly easier, even though it may cost you more. Yeah. Because in the end, like time is money. And so if you end up having to redo everything or keep hiring people because it didn't work out, you end up losing in the end. So 100%. And I, I will say, I also made that mistake. I yeah. also was like, oh, everyone's doing these CPAs. And not that, you know, I, mean, I still, my podcast editor is in, is in overseas and he's amazing, but I have learned like hire incredible talent and pay them well. And not just, again, not just their pay, but their overall compensation yeah. and make them feel valued and you will get so much more out from them and it'll make your job easier as a manager. Exactly. Exactly. And it makes you be able to scale. So then you can make more money and it all works out. So before we wrap, you know, what's something that you're working on that you're excited to share with the audience? Hmm. I mean, I feel like I'm excited about all the things, but I think two <laughs> things right now are coming up. So one, I mean, just coming off like the, the excitement of last night having an in-person event. And, and that's been the beautiful thing about thank goodness this year is that we're getting more in person. So I just, I feel like that, even though, yes, I know that people are loving remote work, just still bringing together people in person, whether that's in a work environment, right? That's like an offsite or retreat, whether that's with clients in person is really something people are craving. And so having some healthy mix of that, even if it's just team building, and then I've got season five of the podcast of Becoming You, my podcast, which I've got an episode with you that's going to be yeah. launching in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that because I love being able to provide value for people wherever they're at that they can consume for free and you know, love being able to have conversations with amazing human beings. Yeah. Love it. So where can people find you? And I will add you the podcast link in the show notes as well. So my name, Rebecca Cafiero, R-E-B-E-C-C-A. And then my last name is C-A-F as in Frank, I-E-R-O. And that's RebeccaCafiero.com. Or I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn at Rebecca Cafiero as well. Awesome. Anything you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap up? Yes. So something that I did organically, but I didn't realize that it literally would be probably one of the most valuable things I did is the importance of building a personal brand. So whether, I mean, if you're in corporate, a hundred percent, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, hopefully you've already done that. But I think a lot of people are so focused on going up the corporate ladder that everything they're doing is like internal. So they might be building credibility within a company, but the importance of building that brand that really illustrates your strengths, really illustrates kind of your mission, what you're about, what you stand for who you are, right? I always say your brand is who you are. Your business is what you do is so important. And when I look at, you know, I left corporate, I think nine years ago and I had built a personal brand without, again, without realizing, just naturally sharing it. And that allowed me to bridge into my first, you know, entrepreneur adventure. And you just never know where life's going to take you. So even if you're sitting there right now and you're like, I love what I do. I never will go anywhere. You don't know when you're going to get a manager or a company. I've, I've had companies that have gotten bought out. I've had companies that had huge changes. And if you can build that now, that will give you so much equity wherever you go. And you, know, you just spoke at the entrepreneur or intrapreneur project, which is something that Abby Murata, who was my old national VP of sales, you know, we worked on and she had built a personal brand at corporate that allowed her, she went and she went into entrepreneurship, but it ultimately let her get her dream corporate job because she was known for certain things. She had been on podcasts. She'd gotten some press, like, and not that you have to get media, but it's like, what are you known for outside of your organization that can transfer over that can allow you to even be getting recruited to a better opportunity for you? I love that. And I think for managers and leaders, helping amplify that in people because they're going to do that stuff anyway. And so if you create space for that and celebrate that, I know my manager that I had when I was writing my book really celebrated that I was writing it. She knew I was like kicking ass in my job. It didn't take away from that. And the fact that she helped me really lean into that, that made me better at my day job. So I think not yes. to be afraid of that either. And you never know when someone's going to leave the opportunity, whether it's someone that reports to you or there's someone you report to. I've had both 
where I've had people that like went on to a different opportunity and then said, Rebecca, there's an opportunity for you here. Even yeah. if that is years later and I'm coming speaking or facilitating to, you know, yeah. to a corporate team. But building that brand, and again, don't just think like you're never just clocking it out. And as entrepreneurs, we know that. But even with corporate, like how are you serving outside of your job description? Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. So much good stuff in here. I am so excited to share this. And I think, again, whether you're an entrepreneur, founder, small business owner, or corporate leader, there is something that you can take away from this conversation. Thank you so much and see you next time. That's all I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Managing Made Simple podcast, where my goal is to demystify the job of people management so that together we can make the workplace somewhere everyone can thrive. I always love to hear from you, so please reach out at leahgarvin.com or message me on LinkedIn. See you next time.